Welcome back to another Theologic Bites episode. We're glad to have you with us here on this Monday. Uh, It has been a lot of fun for Sean and myself to try to bring out some difficult topics when it comes to perhaps what appears to be a Bible contradiction or something rather difficult in in a saying of Scripture. Uh, We're coming at you again, bringing you another one that comes from an atheist website called, I think it's called Patheos, Sean? I don't know if that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's exactly how you pronounce that. Patheos, Patheos. Is it trying to be Greek? I don't know. But uh, this comes from an article entitled, The Top 20 Most Damning Bible Contradictions. The author's name is Bob Seidensticker. Uh, I like his name. That's kind of a fun name. I like it. Uh, And so this apparent contradiction comes, as he says, is a damning contradiction, comes as you compare Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, where it says, there is not a righteous man on earth. And yet 1 John 5, 18 says, no one who is born of God sins. So the question comes, is the Bible contradicting itself when it comes to the nature of humanity, uh, the nature of whether man is sinful or not? Uh, How does it look like? uh, How do we join these two ideas together uh, when it comes to the topic of whether man is sinful or not? And so I have a a third question I want to ask you, as this is our third Theologic Bites episode, and this is a question we need to be asking ourselves anytime we're interpreting Scripture, okay? First one was, have you observed the context? The, The second one was, uh, have you considered the categories being talked about? This, Those two play a factor into determining what this means. But also, thirdly, have you considered the author's style and his subsequent meaning? Have you considered the author's style and subsequent meaning? Sean, how would you classify John's style of writing? John's style of writing, generally speaking, is going to be an epistle. So it is a letter. It is more didactic in the sense of it is just prose, line-for-line teaching. Um, It is, within the New Testament, a little bit different than how Paul normally communicates, but generally speaking, yeah, an epistle um, that has a a different feel than Ecclesiastes. Well, I guess you could say, too, like when John says something, he's a lot more... uh, He he doesn't leave much room for nuance. It's always very uh, absolute, although he will already acknowledge that there is nuance. He's already done that actually earlier on in First John. Right. Uh, in First John chapter, at the end of chapter one, in the beginning of chapter two, John has already said in his epistle that I write to you so that you don't sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Uh, John is not being contradictory to Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse twenty. Uh, He is simply acknowledging another important fact that as we consider our theology, that if we are in Christ, our life is not bound up in a consistent, unbroken pattern of sin like we were before. It's like if you are a true Christian, your life is changed from being a relationship to sin that is unbroken, careless toward God, uninterested in the things uh, that God would have us to do or has called us to do, but in Christ, that has changed. As, as Packy has already mentioned here, that when we see John's writing, we look previous, we already see that John is aware that Christians still stumble in sin. Yeah. He's not saying that doesn't happen. We've already seen that even just two verses prior to this verse, he deals with that in verse 16, where he says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin. So yeah. it's not even that far removed from it. The one thing I want to add to this is one thing with epistles you have to notice, and this is even common in Paul, is that the closer you get to the end of an epistle, the more the writer begins to write in shorthand. 
He's worked through several verses previous cha- in previous chapters, maybe sometimes even entire chapters on one point. And as the writer gets toward the end of the epistle, he doesn't rehash the entire argument. He uses shorthand to summarize or encapsulate what he's already said. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, this gentleman that we're interacting with wants to use a verse from the very tail end of the book and make it say what he wants to say, forgetting that there's five whole chapters to interact with. Yeah. So the approach in and of itself, regardless of Ecclesiastes, the approach in and of itself to First John is not not very healthy. Yeah, just to say well, it in a nice way. It's not very healthy. Well, it's not considerate of the very first question you need to ask is, have you considered the context? If you, if you heard, listener, what Sean just did was he looked at the context of First John, and you already acknowledged just a few verses later, he's talking about brothers, Christians, who sin. And I've acknowledged already the context of the entire book going back all the way to the end of chapter one, the beginning of chapter two. John has already said, like I said, that if anyone says they haven't sinned, they're Mm -hmm. a liar and they're making God a liar. So we we acknowledge that John is not talking about sinless perfection when the entire – uh, the entire text of the Bible is replete with statements about mm. the absolute depravity and sinfulness of man. John uses language prior to this where he talks about that this, the one born of God does not make a practice of sinning. Yeah. And we think about the idea of practice. You think about someone, we might say, well, so-and-so, they practice law. They practice medicine. Well, what is that? They're saying their life, their occupation is marked by medicine or by law. And so what we have here is that the person that has been born of God, the person that has the new life, their life will no longer be marked by sin. That does right. not necessitate there is no sin, but their reputation is not going to be the sinner down the street. Right, yeah. And that's, that's an important element of it, right? As John says in 1 John, that if anyone says that they know Christ, they must walk as he walked. In other words, walk is the idea of living, your, your, daily, your daily living uh, uh, behavior, is to walk as Christ walked, to live like him, to be like Christ, to be holy. As we talked about in an episode on the Holy Spirit, part of being a Christian, part of having the Holy Spirit indwelling you, is that you would walk apart from sin. And if you're not walking apart from sin, if your life is continually characterized by unbroken patterns of sin, that's when you need to ask yourself the question, where am I when it comes to my relationship with Christ? Am I so very uh, backwards from him? And turned from him that I'm I'm not even I'm not even I don't even care, um, or am I not even a believer to begin with? John writes in First John, so that the very key text is in chapter five, where he says uh, that these things I write to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. What's the point of this epistle? It's for your understanding of whether you are a legitimate Christian or a fake Christian, or also another word in other words a non-believer. Are you this way? So read through you can't, First John. You can't lose your faith, but sometimes people who claim to have it never had it. Exactly. That's so important. That's so important, which is why John says in First John 2 that they went out from us because they were not of us, for had they been of us, they would have continued with us. Amen. Those who had rejected the faith turned away because they were never of us to begin with. So that's the question that needs to be brought up. So, but, but, well, We probably need to speak to Ecclesiastes a little bit, too. I guess what I was going to say is what we see in Ecclesiastes 7.20 is the continual characteristic of 
everything the scripture has always and consistently taught, and that is indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth. Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool has said in their heart, there's no God. They have all turned away. They've all become, if you look at, if you look at Romans 3, 10 and following, exactly. what you have is a complete statement about the Old Testament yep. speaking of the nature of humanity in general. Right. We have None poison. is righteous, yeah. none, none, no, not one. Yeah. We've all turned aside. We've all become worthless. Yeah. That's right. one after the other. Yeah. The poison of asps is under our lips, right? Yeah. It's just this is the the base nature of humanity. And Solomon's acknowledging mm-hmm. in his very wise and accurate statement the the testimony, the replete testimony of Scripture, and uh, which is why I guess I find that one to be an easier thing to deal with. Right. But. So we have a category error here. Right. One is talking about Ecclesiastes seven is talking about the original nature of man apart from God's grace, apart from the new birth. Whereas in John is talking to those who are born again. So two different audiences, two different points that they're making. And so, yeah, what the um, proposed argument that we're interacting with has done is really just a category error. Yeah, well, that's good. That's why the second question in our Theo Bites, Theologic Bites was, have you considered the categories being talked about? And as you consider the categories, I think you will find that this is actually in harmony with each other. So, Along with the misread of First John Exactly. Five as well, making it like this guy was presenting it as Christians don't, right? Don't sin, right? Exactly. I want to say this, but as we have a couple seconds left here for our theologic bites, um, one of the things you find we, we mentioned this in our first theologic bites episode: atheists are very good thinkers, yeah. but they're awful theologians. When it comes to theology, that you need to be well versed in theology before you can make a definitive statement about whether the Bible is contradicting or not. You, you need to have theology. You need to have the explanation of these things, or else you're going to be making these errors that are so very superficial in your explanation of this. You're going to make the superficial argument that says that these two things are contradicting when you don't even know the text. You have to read the text. You have to understand the Bible before you say that it contradicts or not. So thanks for joining us on this Theologic Bites episode. We'll see you in a bit. <laughs>